It's time for another edition of the Pumpkin Pile Drivers Podcast. With some jackass by the name of Big Bad Boris. Yes, indeed. It is time for another edition of the Pumpkin Pile Drivers Podcast on the Love Wrestling Podcast Network. My name is Big Bad Boris, and this week I am joined by the newest member of the Love Pro Wrestling commentary team, my right-hand man. Actually, you do sit on my right hand, so that does make sense. Uh, Dash in the park, Dash from Heavy Hockey, Dash, whatever we want to call you, Dash, 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 hyphen, Dash. How the hell are you, man? Hyphen. Hyphen. It's like a Dash, you know? Oh, wow. There we go. <laughs> We're starting off that way, I guess. You know. Buddy, I'm good. I'm good. I, we've got all these hours on the microphone together where I uh, I got to pretend like I don't like you. So this is going to be a little bit weird because <laughs> I, I actually really like you. Oh, now you stop that. You had some technical difficulties there. You do this all the time. What the hell was going on with your setup? Oh, we got a little bit. stuff in and unplugging yeah. stuff? Yeah. Well, it's uh, partly because uh, we got a contractor here at the house right now. So there's some... Uh, casings and baseboards and different things being done so i had to move my desk around which means i had to unplug a few things and i don't know why but they just weren't plugging in the right way again but we made it work i'm big time in you boris big that's all right i just figured you know 15 minutes late that's that's where it's supposed to be no you're only 14 minutes late you're much like there's there's been people who have been much much later so your big timing is not uh, all that big um so tell me how you came to be involved in my life. <laughs> <laughs> how lucky I am to have been involved in your oh, life. I thought you were going to say how lucky I am. Um, yeah, the pleasure's... No, this is, this is shoot. The pleasure's all mine. Um, you know, I think I ran into Spencer through his shoot job at, uh, at in the hockey world. And, and we all know he's with the Sherwood Park Crusaders as well. And we've been season ticket holders. Um you know, I, I just was always a fan of independent pro wrestling around Edmonton and went to a lot of the shows and I was already a fan of love pro wrestling. So I knew who Spencer was and started talking to him a little bit. And, you know, we just, the more we talked, the more I liked him. And one day over a few beers, I, I just shot my shot. In fact, he said, I don't know, I got to run it all by Boris. So hang on, let me text him. And apparently you gave an approval and the thumbs up and there I was. So I, um, I don't know. And just absolutely thrilled and honored and be able to sit beside you and to have been now, you know, I think I've heard you say that you've worked the kinks out. So uh, I'm happy to have had my kinks worked out by, by one of the best, a PWA hall of famer as yourself. Um, Yeah. So, you know, I think how I became a part of your life is probably an answer you have to answer because the way I understood it is not too many people last in that chair to your right. Um, without showing a, a little bit of uh, intelligence and respect. And, you know, I, I've heard there's been a few pile driven out of that chair. I don't know. Maybe those you could dispel those rumors or or make them true. But um, ultimately, you must have saw something in me. And I, uh, I love doing it with you. The chemistry is growing and it's there. And uh, it's one of the funnest things I do in my life. Did you hear that, folks? He loves doing it with me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, there's been a few people over the years in PWA and LPW that have kind of come through that. Uh, nobody that was really touted, especially in PWA, nobody that was really touted like a regular. We would just have some of the guys, you know, sit in 
when you know in between their matches and stuff and you know some took to it well and some not so well and what have you but it's it's i've always say that uh it's not as easy as some people may think i agree yeah yeah i've learned that for sure i mean um I've learned a lot about that in the short time that I've, I've been around the business. In fact, you know, if you would have pulled the, the dash wrestling fan out of uh, randomness five years ago, I would have told you that I could wrestle a match, cut a promo <laughs> referee, a match, be the commentator, be the announcer and boy, oh boy. Yeah. Big, big awakening, big awakening. Um, all of all of you and everybody that I'm surrounded by are just so immensely talented. It's just incredible. I'm humbled every day. Um, as you know, I've I've been by the clandestine wrestling society and been running the ropes a little bit with uh with some of the talent and and like just incredibly humbling to see how good everybody truly is. Um and the, the more you get down and down and dirty and, and you look at the whole kit and caboodle, hey, that one's for Blair. Um, you know, it, it really shows that LPW is one of the best, you know, and that's just not you and I drinking the Kool-Aid, um, you know, it's different and we pride ourselves on being different and, and the culture's different and that was really attractive and, uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's just something that it's fun to put a lot into and, and try to be a part of because it's like, it's a family and, I feel like uh, this experience has just been uh, both eye-opening and humbling at the same time. I think it speaks kind of to the level of talent that we have in LPW as well, because I think the great ones and the ones that are really, really talented sometimes can make it look easy to the layman. And -hmm. then you take that person and you put them in the ring and say, okay, take this bump or run this rope or referee this match and and have it make sense or, or call this match and get this thing over. Once they have to do that, they're like, oh shit! There's a lot more that goes into this than than oh. you know what appears on on television or when you go to a show. I can't tell how many times at training I've looked Zoe square in the eyes and said, "Oh my god, you make this look easy, <laughs> right?" Like it's just so natural, and you know, I'm, whatever. We're we're probably going to put this out there, and I am who I am. But man, I I I still mark out with with MRB in the ring. Like I'll t- turn around in training sometimes and be like, "Jesus, that's Michael Richard Blaze." Like what? How the hell am I doing this with God's gift to wrestling right now? So let's talk about your wrestling fandom. Just take me back to when you first kind of discovered wrestling and got into it. Because you're you're an older guy about my age, so you might have some of the same memories that I do. <laughs> Are we older guys? God damn it. I hate that. We're, we're older guys, man. It is what it is. Young you know, Jared Rogers is like less than half our age, I think. Oh, is he? He's a wily veteran, though. Well, I mean, I I, I agree with you, but... The numbers don't add up. Athens <laughs> <laughs> heart, especially at the Jared Rogers house or at Rogers place. Uh-huh. Um, it, it came down to, uh, you know, probably just being an awkward, lonely child. <laughs> you know, like we had a movie store across the, across the street, not necessarily a blockbuster, but it might as well have been uh, parents that worked shift work. Uh, just spent a lot of time trying to find that bit of entertainment and that slice of entertainment. Um, I think I'm a pretty, and I think all, this probably goes to say for all wrestling fans, probably pretty em- empathic by nature. I think, you know, there's a, a bit of a, we all get off on the crowd pop. We all get off on that energy in the crowd. And, 
And it's because some of it runs through your veins, right? Like you can feel it. Um, I'm that type of guy that, that cries watching America's got talent or, you know, at a commercial about Africa. And so I, I just, I feel like that resonated really early with me where I like could feel what was going on. And, you know, I still remember crying when Terry Funk beat Hulk Hogan and what it came down to then was like, you know, three channels on TV and no computers and pay-per-views weren't, weren't invented yet. Really what it came down to was what you could find at the video store that you hadn't seen yet. So it was so exciting to just go walk the aisles of the video store and be like, Oh man, I haven't seen this survivor series yet. And uh, rolling out whatever I could. And I just became a fan. I started buying the pro wrestling illustrateds and I would read them cover to cover. I was known around town as being the, the kid that knew everything about wrestling and all these wrestling federations and promotions that nobody else knew about. And a fan of the road warriors became before they became the Legion of doom. And it was just uh, something I resonated with. I, I did a little bit of gymnastics. I had a trampoline in the backyard, like most wrestling young fans did. And, you know, put on my own shows by myself and with my teddy bears and sometimes with my friends and, just became something that I was always uh, akin to. Uh, like a lot of us, lost it in my teen years and 20s and had some priorities and other things to do, but was drawn back in with the Monday Night Wars. Um, and yeah, just kind of it has always stayed in touch. So it's, it's just something that's kind of my two favorite loves. I, uh, I dabble in a little bit of football. I dabble in a little bit of, you know, basketball. Um, I love baseball, but my two passions are hockey and wrestling. So I want to touch on a couple of things that you mentioned there that that kind of resonated with me. Um, the video store thing, I absolutely get that. And I kind of wish, I mean, it's I, I'm going to sound like the old fogey, but I wish that like some of the, of the fans of this day could have had those experiences because now everything's just so readily available. And like, oh, yeah. I learned this in, 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 in you know, radio school talking about media back in the day you got what you got when you got it. And now with media, you want what you want when you want it. Um, like waiting, like WrestleMania three would happen. And, and you know, you know, you couldn't get to the closed circuit. You'd have to wait for X amount of months before, yeah. you know, when check the video store and wait and wait and wait. And finally, when that tape came in, it's like, yes, WrestleMania finally, and you rent that video and you take it home and you watch it. And there was just something kind of magical and romantic about that that I think is is a little bit lost today with, with just sure. how easily accessible and how much content there is. It became part of, like, think of how excited as a as a youth you get about Christmas and Easter, and it became one of those things, right? We're like, oh, man, this you know, the day is coming. I get to see that that video is going to be released soon. And that's the only way we could see it. Yeah. Probably sounds ridiculous to people in their 20s that might be listening to this, but it's the, it's the only way we could. Now, they don't know what a video store is, let alone, you know, thinking about having to wait to see a pay-per-view in a video store. And you talked about kind of getting uh, out of the wrestling in, in the teen years. And that kind of happened to me as well. You said priorities change. And the way that I explained it was uh, I grew up, but the wrestling business didn't. And it was still kind of geared to kids. And in the, you know, in that mm -hmm. time it was, it was, you know, Mantar and the goon and, and, you know, kind of silly, Mantar. silly yep. shit. And, yeah. and I, I kind of got out of it and, and I, you know, I really got into the music and stuff. And then I stumbled across in, I want to say 
early 97. So there's like a, maybe a five year or so gap in my, my rest. I've gone back and watched the stuff and it's, it's not great, but uh, like a gap in there. And then 97, I came across, you know, an episode of raw because raw used to air on Monday night on TSN and then they'd replay it Tuesday afternoon. So when I get home from work, cause I worked really early, I'd be flipping around channels and I came across WWF and I'm like, Oh, this is different. And I kind of started following it and got into it and started, you know, the, the internet came around and I found out about ECW and I was like, oh shit, this is different. This is new. This is edgy. This is cool. And that just sucked me right back in and my obsession yeah. started all over. This smashing beer cans on his yeah. head. And it's it's brought me to where I am now. And you said you did shows with the teddy bears. I did shows with my action figures. And oh, I, oh, I, I did that I had, too, like, for sure. Yeah. Pieces of paper with like my champions written down on them. And I used to use wristwatches as title belts because I, 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 you know, didn't have the title belts. And I would take, like, I remember uh, I had a Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff action figure and he was in like the double bicep pose. And I took a pen, like a ballpoint pen, and I drew face paint on him and he was stink. And I would change some of my guys to other guys because you didn't get those figures. That's a story that has nothing to do with anything, but that's kind of like what I did. So we have very kind of similar paths. I think it's very interesting. Yeah, yeah. I took. I still have a few of my big rubber figurines, in fact. And uh, I, I didn't like the ring because I didn't like the ratio size. I didn't like that when you, you know, tried to do moves in the ring that it was, it was kind of too small. Like you know, it was head to toe. Right, like a ring isn't seven feet. Yeah, no. I was just going to say if you if you laid the, the guys end to end. Like you could do it diagonally, but you could barely do a vertical suplex. And right. the way the corner posts kind of like the, they stuck out from like. <laughs> right. So I made my own. I remember my mom and I were just talking about this recently, actually, where I just decided to go get my own piece of plywood and take four spikes and nail one in each corner and go to the fabric store and get some red, white and blue elastic. And there I had it. To scale some, some money in those old figures, those old uh, big rubber. I think they're LJNs. I don't know. I'm not a big like figure guy, but there's some money in some of those old ones. Yeah, stuff like a Hulk yeah. Hogan with the white T-shirt. If you got one of those that's still in good shape, there's some money in those. None of mine were in good shape. No, and I remember King Kong Bundy was like eight pounds. You could kill a person with that thing. It was just yeah, like the a Andre giant... too. Yeah, <laughs> just yeah, like Andre a giant... had an afro that was like shoulder wide. I'm like, <laughs> what is this? Like a seven foot haircut. <laughs> Yeah, our trajectory, very, very similar. I find that very, very interesting. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the hockey before we get back into the, to the wrestling, because that's obviously a big part of, of you and what you do. You're part of a media conglomerate called Heavy Hockey. Tell me a bit about that, because I'm very, and I don't know if I if it's okay if I mention, quote unquote, the competition, but I know that like Oilers Nation is very, very popular. I see people. Yeah. Like, stickers and stuff on that is is heavy hockey kind of similar to that and i don't mean that disrespectfully but just like for for reference for me i wouldn't take that as a as a slight whatsoever in fact i would um i i've got a ton of respect for downtown jay and and bag milk and the guys that have set it up from the start at oilers nation they they did it right um you know their their path that they paved is 100 percent um, if not 95%, the path we're trying to, to follow, um, you know, they started off as a, a podcast with a cool logo that had, you know, a, a skull that kind of looked like whatever. And all of a sudden they were a couple of podcasts and then they were a website and then they had editorials and, and then they used some of their income to purchase other websites. They bought hockeyfights.com. Um, you oh, know, really? then they grew okay. to buying dailyfaceoff.com, which was, was, and still is one of the most gone to 
websites for fantasy hockey players because of the way that their accuracy and their lineups and starting goalies for the Knights. And they just did it right. And as they grew and acquired these other websites and acquired these other entities, they were bought up by a big media conglomerate out of, I don't know, Toronto somewhere and a private, private investment group. And it was in the millions. So um, would we like to do that? Sure. Absolutely. I had no idea it was that big. Wow. Yeah. Huge for sure. Has um, there been we're, any we're, like legal pushback for using the Oilers name? Like, is there any legal trademarks or, cause I know there's flames nation and there's jets nation and all that stuff. Like, is there, are they allowed to use that intellectual property? I do believe, I don't know the exact story. There is a bit of a story there. I do believe that the Oilers had some sort of cease and desist to the Oilers nation once they started getting very popular. Um, but you know, it's all one word. So, you know, the Oilers can't copyright oh, Oilers plus shit. every single word after it. Okay. So Oilers nation is it, 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 it stuck. They were, they were okay with continuing to use it. Uh, our flagship podcast on our show on heavy, uh, our flag, flagship podcast or show on heavy hockey is called Oilers live. And that's with myself and Michael a bear. And, you know, we're on Edmonton sports talk. We, we do the drive home on Wednesdays from five till seven and that's, um, you know, something we've grown to just through our podcast gaining popularity and some of the, um, I don't know, we're not insiders per se, but we do know a few people and we've, we've called our shots on a few things and it's turned out. Um, I think we were first on record for the Connor Brown signing, the Gagne signing, as well as the Woodcroft firing. So there was, uh, a few nights where I was I was cheering for some odd things to happen, which was <laughs> a very reverse uh, mentality for for a normal person. But it's just so great for the network when the chaos happens. Um, you know, I think Edmonton Sports Talk and all those guys have said it. When the Oilers are losing, they get more more views and more hits. I think you know, misery loves company, and people want to vent. So, um, you know, that's that's the path we're on. Uh, we, we would love to keep doing that. We've done the same thing. Heavyhockey.com is our website. We've got a group of great writers that are putting out editorials almost daily, um, several podcasts on the network and starting to get recognized out there a little bit. So yeah, it's, it's, it's been good. I think it's just, um, was a, you know, like 2023 was my, my best life, honestly, like, to be able to kind of land into this LPW opportunity as well as to have our hockey network and podcast kind of take off like it has is it's been a pretty cool 12 months. So how did you get involved with heavy hockey? I was doing a podcast on another network and, and somebody just liked what they saw in me, I guess, and thought it was funny. So, uh, brought me over to their network and pardon me, paired me up with somebody else that was already there. And we did a show for a while um but i think there's the the popularity was was growing in in a linear fashion to the amount of appearances i was making so i think i was kind of driving views a little bit and so we put myself up on the on the big show the weather's live flagship show and it's been going tickety boo ever since so it's just been i don't know it's all been a blur to be honest is that a good answer Not no really. it's it's a very good answer so and if this is none of my business, feel free to tell me so. But does this like revenue generate revenue? Do you make money off this? And if it's yeah, none of my business, you can yeah, there's sponsorships. No, it's it's okay. You can ask. Uh, we like I'm not taking home a check, but we definitely want to take care of the guys that are writing articles and doing certain things for us. Right now, we honestly like we're we're running like a bit of a not profit because anything that we could or 
or would get that would make us profitable, we're actually dumping all towards our charity hockey game. Um, so I'll, I'll take the time to, to just bring it up briefly, but, um, February 24th, the Oilers play the flames. Um, you may be aware of that team. And on the 25th, we are doing a charity hockey game the day after at the Edmonton community arena right there at Rogers place and be team heavy hockey versus team Edmonton sports talk and raising money for the sexual assault center of Edmonton. Oh, that's cool. That's great. Um, you know, close to, close to our heart, uh, we've got some survivors within heavy hockey as well as, you know, hockey's our, our favorite sport. I know it's one of your favorite sports as well, but if, if, if we're going to be honest here, it's got a pretty effing terrible culture and there's a lot of negativity around it and a lot of, uh, things that happen behind closed doors and things that get swept under rugs that absolutely shouldn't. And, um, unfortunately a lot of that has had to do with sexual abuse and sexual abuse allegations. So, um, we can't change hockey that's for sure. And we can't change the culture, but we can, we can do our little slice. So this is, uh, something we're really proud of. And, and so we take any of the major sponsorships and we put it straight towards uh, the sexual assault center of Edmonton. No, I respect that you said that. Cause obviously in the news, what's, what's going on right now. And I think that it takes people, you know, within, you know, hockey itself and within like the, the hockey media, like you guys to come out and say, you know, something's wrong. And I think that that's the more right. people who will come out and admit that, that that's, that's good for everyone. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so well said. Exactly. This is a music podcast as well as a professional wrestling podcast, which combines my two loves. Uh, I got your picks, and I'm going to bust your balls a little bit just because um, they're not bad songs by any stretch. Don't get me wrong. I'm big fans. But you went, you were very, like, I call it very side one, track one on this. And, and I don't know if that makes sense to anybody but me. Uh, so I'm just kind of teasing you just a little bit because I like to go a little bit deep catalog sometimes because I'm like a sure. music snobby nerd. But uh, we're going to go to your first track right now, which is uh, Killing in the Name by Ridge Against the Machine. Don't get me wrong. Great band. Great song. Uh, tell me why you picked this one. Well, what I was trying to do is set up a set up a invite for about four or five more of these is really what it came down to. So I thought, you know, my first visit. Uh, the first time that your right-hand man comes and does your podcast with you, I would go with, um, and the theme will carry through to to the other song that we chose as well, but um, what these are, it's, it's my first two compact discs that I, oh, that I ever okay. purchased Fair in my enough. life. You know what? I retract my previous statement then. So I thought, you know, first, first visit, um, my first CDs, uh, my first favorite songs off of those CDs, and yeah, Rage Against the Machine for me was something that, you know, I don't know, maybe this is a theme for the podcast, but combining things we love and, and rock and roll and hip hop. And I was always a big fan of, you know, even through my life with the Lincoln Parks and back in the day with the Limp Biscuits and the different, you know, bands or musical, musical artists that could combine those two attributes somehow. And I just, when Rage Against the Machine hit this demo album, Oh man, I was all in. I, I just like I wore the hell out of this thing because I just played it over and over and over and over again. And you know, this song coming right around, you know, as you and I were probably graduating high school, and you know, we didn't get to yell fuck very often, let alone <laughs> fuck this many times in one song. Fair. And you know, it just kind of paved the way for that rebellious attitude and that the way that the nineties kind of fell out for us, you know? So it was, it's a bit of an anthem song and I get that, but it's also why I chose it. 
Fair enough. All right, so this is uh, Dash's first pick. It is Rage Against the Try that again. Take two. Click Rage Against the Machine on the Punk and Podcast podcast.
Killing in the name on the Punk and Prowler podcast. Wow, I can't talk today. This is bad. It's Saturday morning. I should be all start over. over. Start over. No, no, no. I, I warts and all, baby. Let's. I very rarely, rarely edit. I did have to edit something on the last podcast. We did the, the uh, with Duke. The, the no, not with Duke. With the one that, that I recorded in the locker room at uh, at Rogers. Oh yes. Oh the the, the last podcast. Yes, yes it was uh, Thaddeus Archer. Uh, after at the very end of, of of me speaking with him before the matches started, he mentioned that I should go talk to a certain wrestler whose certain genitals were hanging out, and I, I was like, I'm gonna cut that part out, which is stupid because I just literally just said what he said, so I guess it doesn't really matter. But <clears> uh, yeah, um, so you are doing a little bit of training at the uh, the clandestine wrestling society. Tell me about what that's been like for you, and exactly what you're like, why you're doing this, and what the plan is. Oh, you just want all the dirty secrets, eh? Um, no, 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 it's not dirty secrets. It's more like when I was in, in PWA and I transitioned from um, being the ring announcer to being a heel manager, I did a, a little bit of a very, very, very small amount of training just because I was going to be getting physically involved in matches. Uh, and plus, I kind of wanted to, I don't want to say earn respect, but I wanted to kind of know what it was like. And it was very, I like I'm, as I'm sure it is for you, it was very eye-opening for me how a physically hard it is and b just how technically hard it is like where your feet have to be and all this kind of stuff and i very 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 quickly learned that that i am not going to be a professional wrestler it is not and i never thought that ever in my life anyway but uh like so uh, what's the end game for this and uh, how's it going oh you know i think it comes fourfold fivefold i don't know a it's just a passion like to be able to step foot in a wrestling ring that's just cool um to be able to learn like you said the footwork and some of the 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 smaller intricacies and why things are done a certain way that's that's just it's me exploring a passion right it's just wanting to know everything i can about this thing that i love um ultimately i'm I'm the age we've spoken of. I've got a young child. I I want to be physically fit when he's a teenager. Um, you look a lot better than I do at our age. So I'll, <laughs> you know, props to that. Well, I'll take a compliment when I can get it for sure. But uh, if you're going to give one to me, then I'll give one to MRB for whooping my ass at there at that <laughs> training, and I'll give another one to uh, our friend Rich King or Rich Hill at Rich King Athletics at RK Athletics that uh is also my personal trainer and, and he's done a great job in in getting my range of motion and some of my strength back and i actually worked with him for a good month or two before i even would step foot in the squared circle because of uh 
and just, you know, obviously wanting to avoid injury, but just the intimidation alone. Um, you you mentioned it and why you wanted to do it. Uh, you wanted to earn a little bit of respect, and and that's a big part of it. Uh, I hope I've showed to everybody in the locker room, you beside me, um, Spencer, Thad, Ben, um, I'm honored to be here. So this is a way for me to be able to um, pay my dues, uh, go and get kicked in the head a couple times, you know, go sweat. Um, I think if I uh, can sit and sweat and bleed with the talent, then I can certainly commentate about them more accurately. Um, you know, we're shoot right now. So just seeing Zoe Sager and like her, her work ethic and seeing how often she's there and that she's the first one to lift up the ring post at ring crew or, you know, and just, it, it's, it, it's pretty cool, man. Like it's, it's absolutely, it's an inspiration, right? And here I am in, in my forties walking around inspired by these 20 year olds. And, but in getting to know her, I, I realize why she's so good. Um, so it's, it's about getting respect. It's about paying dues. It's about being appreciative that I'm a color, color commentator. Um, the play-by-play guy has the tough job. He's one that's got to keep up with the action and, and be thinking while he's talking and, and keep everything going. And my God, you do a great job of that and setting me up and queuing me up. And man, I miss a lot of your cues. I realize when I watch back, but I'm learning. Um, but the color guy should know a little something, right? When you look at, you know, Taz, he's talking about popping hips and well, how would I know if I've never popped my hips, right? Like <laughs> I, I feel like, there's, there's an element to bringing realism to what we're calling you and I in, in the match and, and trying to paint that picture for the audience and, and what we see through our eyes. And I think that I can paint that picture in a more accurate way if I've actually had that experience. Um, the final thing being, I, I just want to experience everything I can wrestling while I can. And part of that is um, MRB is helping me out with some referee training. So, you know, we've got a, a full crew there with Fitz and Garve and, and Ben, but you never know. There's other promotions around Alberta and maybe they need a ref here and there. Or maybe somebody calls in sick and, you know, you can run a commentary booth by yourself and I can go ref a match or something. So it's just a little bit about learning all of that. And you can't referee a match if you don't know how to wrestle a match. And again, you know, we talked about what I thought I knew and that's some of the things is you don't know what you don't know. Right. And what I've learned there so, so eloquently is, and, and it's just incredible to me how good they are at is like you said, the footwork and ultimately it's, it's, it's a dance, right? Like, you, you know, you can do your, your waltz or you can do your, you know, your salsa and ultimately your feet have to be in the right spot at the right time because you're doing this with somebody else. And if you're not, you're going to be tripping on each other's toes and stepping on each other's toes. And there's an expectation that a foot should be here and a hand should be there. And that's how all these things happen. And man, it's like, I find myself getting in my own head there a lot. It's like golf, right? Like sometimes you just want to go up, put the tee in the ground, put the ball in the tee and hit it. You don't want to think about where your feet are, what your trajectory is, like what your follow through is going to be. Is your head down? And to me, that's almost what it's like. Sometimes it's like, man, I can't even do a simple headlock because <laughs> the 35 things that had to go along with it. So just, again, just do respect to everybody that's, that's been in that ring before me and, and how good they are at it and how easy they make it look. 
No, two things I want to touch on on what you talked about. Um, for me, one of the things in the very, very, very small amount of training I did is it's hard to teach your body to go against everything that it's known its whole life in terms of things like if someone's going to punch me in the face, my natural instinct is to get my hand up or whatever. Or that we were doing, I forget what it was. It was, it was, uh, we were taking elbow drops. This was like a million years ago. And just, you know, flick flinching. And so just, you know, it's hard to not do that. And B, you talked about wanting to do everything. And I totally resonate with that. Because when I first turned into the heel manager and I was working with Tex Gaines, you know, I was I was young and dumb. And I'm like, I want to do all this shit. I want to I want to blade and I want to do the table. And, and you know, I want to be in a, you know, put me in a battle royal. And like, looking back on it, I feel a little bit silly. Like, and I'm not saying you're silly, but like all the stuff I wanted to do all hurt. I'm like, yeah, I want to take that super kick and do that dive and I want to catch you. And we, you know, at the, at the Halloween show, I put on a dress and I got bladed and I was like, yeah, fuck yeah, blade me. Cool. And, and now I look back on myself and I was kind of like, like, I, I'm glad that I did it. But at the same time, a lot of times it was, I, I threw myself into it and just like, let's, let's, I don't care if I get hurt. Let's just do all this shit. <laughs> I don't if know if I was your sense. age when you did it, I'd have been doing it the exact same. Yeah, way. I guess I'm yeah. doing this 20 years ago, where yeah. you're doing it now. That's a fair assessment. I never thought about it that way. Yeah, yeah. I haven't asked uh, MRB to you know give me the coast to coast 360 leg drop yet. That's the, that's a bump I haven't volunteered for. Well, that's, there's still time. So what's been <laughs> like when you're down at clandestine? What's been the biggest? surprising thing where where you're like oh shit this is how it is or or i didn't know this or didn't expect it to be like this i think just how gentle everybody is in the ring with each other we're watching car crash theater we're watching two people or two competitors beat the holy hell out of each other and that's what i've been accustomed to that's my brain's muscle memory and i got told i was too stiff pretty much everything i did really you know okay and i an irish whip you're too stiff what do you mean i'm just throwing you into the ropes well yeah but it, you know it's up it's up to them how hard they hit the ropes it's not up to me how hard i was just gonna say yeah you don't push you just put your hand on that back that's and right let them go yeah <laughs> right so it's just like those but little I things that like exact that same where, thing too for sure yeah right you think like they make it look so easy when you're doing those top wrist locks or you're you're wrenching around and you know your arms doing these 360s and like honestly like that ad's barely touching me. You know, it's like, holy, this, it's just, yeah, it's, it, that I think was just how careful and how respectful everybody is to each other in the ring was maybe the biggest thing. Yeah. It's differences sometimes between wrestlers and workers. That's there's right. Great wrestlers and there's great workers. Yeah. Well, said. what about uh, sitting down behind the microphone with me? What's been the biggest surprise uh, of that? And I'm just curious uh, selfishly. Hmm. The biggest surprise, like what's been the biggest shock like thing, about yeah, it? Or, or thing, the thing like you thought you understood, but realized, oh, wait, this is different. This is not what I thought. Well, I don't know if I'm explaining. You pre- yeah, no, you are. And I, I think what it comes down to for me, it was probably, it, it's likely the first kink you knocked out of me was, you know, the first uh, lesson, Boris 101. Um, you know, I, I put that bug in your ear very early that I wanted to be the heel commentator. Um, you know, I've been this smart ass my entire life that has constantly put this filter on and put this filter on. You can't say that. You can't say that. Um, and you know, this, this is a, a, a venue and a platform to be able to kind of be an asshole and it's fun. 
Um, so the biggest thing I think that was the surprise was, you know, I thought I could go in and insult you and, and insult the, the face wrestlers and, you know, be, be a, you know, a real funny, smart ass guy, but, but ultimately, you know, you taught me very early that it's, it's not about being a smart ass or being funny. It's about picking your spots when you can be funny, but it's about always, always first and foremost, highlighting the talent in the ring. And at any point in time, I'm going to insult either one of the wrestlers. I, I've now done the opposite. And then it's the same with you and I, if I'm going to, you know, go after you and we start bickering too much, well then, you know, we're not trying to get ourselves over here. Our job is to get the wrestlers over. So I, I think that was kind of the most eye-opening thing was trying to be tactful, tasteful, and well-timed with being an asshole. Yeah, being the the heel commentator is a and and in fairness, I've never done it, but I think it's just a it's a very 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 subtle art. I was watching uh, uh, TNA this week. I've decided to take Ring of Honor out of my weekly routine. Yeah, because it's, I, it's, it's been it's, odd. It's, I've it? been uh, you know watching out of habit, and it's 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 just kind of bland. So I AEW watched TNA Light. this week, and uh, their color commentator. I don't know. I can't remember what his name is. He was Aiden English in uh, in WWE. I don't know what the name is he goes by now, but he he did the thing that I hate, and 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 you and I talked about this. And again, this is it's just my opinion of what's right and wrong. But there was some heel cheating, and he just and and you know the babyface announcer called it out, and he was like, "What are you talking about? I didn't see anything." And I just I don't like that because it's just it's silly, and it makes to me it makes him look dumb. And, and, you know, who am I to criticize a guy who's on national TV? But it's just, that's not the way that I would choose to do it. Yep. Yep. I would agree. I think there's, now that you've, you know, given me the experience that you have, I, I can really notice that a lot as well, you know, and I don't, is it going by Matthew? I don't know what the heck. Oh, Matthew um, Reinbold or Reinbold or whatever. Yeah, something like that. And no disrespect to him, you know? Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. I mean, and do it your own way. And maybe he's being told to do it that way. Who knows? Right. Um, Could be. But I see, you know, even Wade Barrett sometimes I find like he's just uh, really, you don't have to insult someone to be able to um, make them look the way that you think the crowd should should see them, you know, I, I think that there's different and tricky ways to do it. So, yeah, I mean, some of the best were, you know, as you and I have talked about many a times, but since we got mics and it's recording, right. Like the, the Bobby, the brain, Heenan, you know, and gorilla where, where I, I love Bobby, the brain, Heenan. and I love how he would just talk himself in circles, look like an absolute asshole by the end of it. And by the time he'd talked himself into circles so much, the gorilla, you know, used logic against him. It was, you know, shut up gorilla, just call the match. <laughs> yeah. You know, or good, like, and I still think Jesse was the best. The yeah. Best. And, I, you know, a great segue because that's the other one. Right. And, and you and I try to do this where it's uh, you call out the blatant cheating by the by the heel. And and then as soon as a face does anything wrong whatsoever, I better jump on that. Yeah, right. Oh, look at this disrespect. And come on. Right. And that's what I thought. Jesse you did was that awesome to me on the Friday show. And I was like, shit, I got nothing. And that's good. Like. It, it it makes it even better when the heel guy's right. And I'm like, fuck, you know, that's what, yeah. what Jesse did so good when I was a kid. Uh, what was it like to kind of combine your loves and call those matches at Rogers? That was like your first kind of, I don't want to say main roster because it sounds silly, but like, you're, you know, the first big show, what was it like to be, to be there? Those, those arena shows I've been lucky enough. That's the third one I've done. And they're just super cool and different and fun. Different fun. All the feels 
all the feels like it was, I was sweating. I was, I brought extra, an extra set of clothes with me because I was scared <laughs> that I might sweat through them. Um, yeah. The butterflies, the nerves, the excitement. Um, I'm a season ticket holder for the Oilers. I've, I've had the, the tours. I, I've been in the bowels of the building. Um, I've played in Rogers place uh, in a, in, in a few charity games, I've, I've been in the dressing rooms. So none of that was overly new to me. It was just really combining this with the experience of wrestling. And, you know, I, we get this December off as love pro wrestling employees. And so like, it's crazy to me that, you know, I do that one match on the Friday show with you in November and, you know, you and Spencer had agreed that, you know, I could start full time in the new year. I'm thrilled but then I got two months to think about it. Right. And it's like, okay. Oh, and by the way, your, your next show is going to be maybe the biggest show you'll ever do. And you know, like, Oh, okay. My first time wasn't supposed to be my biggest time. Um, so it was, it was a, it was a big bag of emotions. And then of course it was a different show. So like I put these weeks and weeks of thought and preparation into certain things I wanted to say to be this keen and, cool heel commentator but and ultimately in, in a show like that yeah it went out the window right we had to send the fans home happy and if that meant a, a heel was a face that night then so be it and so you know i saved a lot of those lines for friday and hopefully they came off all right then but so it was um it wasn't what i expected but it was amazing See, that's kind of how I was, the two saddle ones, especially that first one, because, you know, me and my love of the Flames, they get a good chance to be in the bowels of the saddle dome. And we had, like, that first time we did it, we we kind of had a bit more of a free run. And, like, there wasn't, especially when we first got there, there wasn't a lot of people there. So, you know, I, I snuck out, actually, onto the Flames bench, and I sat on the bench for a couple seconds, just kind of took it in. And, uh, and we were set up on the ice. So I went out to center ice and I like touched the center because I've never been on the, yeah. like I've been on the floor of the saddle, but I've never been on the ice. So I went, you know, stood in the middle of that flaming sea and I touched the center ice, you know, and it was just special for me. And it was really cool. So I kind of, I totally get where, how you're feeling that for sure. I get that. Yeah. The first time I said I played there in a charity game, but the very first time I ever touched Oilers ice, that's the first thing I did was skate straight to center ice and kiss the oil drop. I was going to kiss the center ice dot at the saddle dome, but I was worried that my lips were going to stick to it. That's so shoot. <laughs> I literally didn't know the science behind it. And I was like, I don't want to be the asshole who's got his lips stuck to center ice. So I didn't do it, but I honestly thought about it. So, yeah. Well, um, you okay. thought Thad was going to be the most embarrassed for getting dragged across the ice. And it actually would have been yeah. you for having your face stuck to it. Yeah, I didn't want to be that guy. <laughs> uh, we're going to go to your second uh, track. And since your explanation on the first track, this makes a lot more sense. Uh, it is the almighty Nirvana with Smells Like Teen Spirit, which is a side one track one, of course. Uh, I, I kind of understand, but go into this one a little bit more. You know, again, it, it's just that song, that that album it, it kind of just, it explains the nineties in a nutshell and it just brings back so many memories. It doesn't matter where I am. You know, when you hear that song, it's, it just takes me back. It takes me back to those times when, you know, it wasn't supposed to be popular and, you know, it wasn't supposed to make sense. And, you know, I, I think that somebody explained this, um, this song to me one time about being about nothing and everything all at once. And, you know, kind of being about 
the oxymorons of, of life. And, you know, that's just kind of where we were in that time in our life. So yeah, this was kind of, you know, like I said earlier, it was my first two CDs I ever bought and, and both of them were soundtracks for a generation. You know, I think in, in a way this song has changed rock and roll, right? It's probably one of the most influential songs in history absolutely did you were you a cassette guy did you have cassettes or did you not get into the music until the cds no oh yeah oh no i had a whole rack of cassettes first, i even had a few eight tracks what i'm was not the old first cassette you bought do you remember michael jackson and the jackson five probably my first cassette i ever bought was true colors by cindy lopper and the first CD I ever bought was Siamese Dream by the Smashing Pumpkins, which I still think is the best album of the 90s. But anyway, wow, there you go. All right. So this is Smells Like Teen Spirit. This is Nirvana on the Punk and Proud Drivers Podcast.
Nirvana, Smells Like Teen Spirit, the second pick from Dash on the Punk and Potiphar's podcast. We are going to segue, and I'm going to steal a line that you said before we went on the air. We're going to segue into the Puck and Potiphar's podcast, and I want to talk a little bit of hockey. You are much more in the know about what's going on in the NHL than I am. I follow the the my beloved, terrible Calgary Flames. Uh, we saw Elias Lindholm get dealt to the Canucks. Uh, I think the return was pretty good. You tell me. I think so. Um, From what I understood, I believe that he was shopped around quite a bit. I know that the Oilers were interested. Um, Somebody I I am close to in the organization told me that they definitely kicked tires, but they thought the price was far too expensive. Um, I believe that when Jim Rutherford, the GM of the Vancouver Canucks, wants something, he goes out and gets it. Uh, He has a history of doing this. I think he's done it with the um, Carolina Hurricanes. He did it with the Pittsburgh Penguins. He won cups with the Pittsburgh Penguins where he was always a like weeks or a month ahead of the trade deadline and liked to bring his guys in early. Um, so, you know, I think this is just another example of it. And, and, and it shows that Vancouver's all in shows that they feel like they've got a chance uh, shows that, you know, our, the new Calgary GM feels like a rebuild is the right way to do it and maybe writing some of the tray living wrongs if you will <laughs> um so yeah I, I think uh the return was was pretty darn good um whether the flames flip kosmenko or or stick with him i'm not sure uh there are rumors i saw on reddit which i'm sure is a vastly superior source of rumors uh chris tenev to ottawa do you know anything about that I do not know anything about that. Uh, that would be interesting. I don't know why Ottawa, last place in the East. That's true. Uh, I, the, I think Tanov will move. I think Noah Hannafin will move as well. Um, what else? Like, what other things do you think are going to happen before this trade deadline? Do you think that Lindholm kind of is the first domino to fall, and now we'll start seeing? What yeah. is it? March, I think the deadline is. Uh, I don't know if it's that late. Is it February? You have to do some quick googling, but ultimately, do you think we'll start seeing it... some guys move. Yeah, he's he's the first domino to fall for sure. And I think, well, Monaghan now got traded. Um, he's in Winnipeg. Yes, correct. So I think that was kind of the second domino, right? You're looking for a dominant center to take into the playoffs, then Lindholm's probably your first choice. That right-handed center to kind of be a utility knife and play up and down the lineup and into the special teams. Um, Monaghan and, and you know others are out there as well, and they're probably your second tier of center. So I think that, yeah, now that those guys are getting gobbled up, it's certainly like, I don't think we would have saw Monaghan get traded this early if we didn't see Lindholm go first. Um, Sticking close to the heart. uh, Yeah, I would say that Calgary is going to have that full liquidation. I don't see why they wouldn't at this point in time. Mm -hmm. And then with the Oilers, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. Um, There's a lot of rumors that they trying to bring in another veteran forward of some kind. Uh, Connor was flirting handsomely with Boone Jenner at the all-star game and apparently trying to get that in motion. So that would be cool. I've heard rumblings that Nashville and the Oilers may pull off another dreadline deal. You'll remember that last year, the Ekholm for Barry trade happened. Mm -hmm. And um, I've even heard rumblings that Barry could come back. So what about what's his name? Uh, uh, Yeah, uh, it's been interesting. It's all happening a little bit earlier this year. What about Phil Kessel? Well, they've got a few names like that. Like, what about Jonathan Taves? You know, there's a few guys out there that maybe you could bring back. And the thing about those guys is you don't have to give up assets for them. 
And I don't know, like Kessel was a healthy scratch in the playoffs a few games last year. So he may be past his, his pickling point. So I want you to take off your, uh, your bias hat and put on your journalism hat. Are the Oilers for real? Oh, for sure. Yeah. No rose colored glasses needed whatsoever. Um, This is the most dominant stretch of hockey. We will potentially, I mean, they're breaking records from 30 years ago, man. Um, They're about to break a record from 30 years ago. Oh, you're ballsy now. Man, like this streak, 26 out of 29 or whatever it's been, is the most dominant start a coach has ever had. It might be the most dominant stretch of hockey that's ever been played. They just went an entire calendar month undefeated. To my knowledge, that's never been done. Uh, the Bruins came very close last year. They went, I think, 11-1 and one in November. Um, and then you have to go all the way back to the Philadelphia Flyers of the 80s or 70s that went 35, but they had ties back then, so that was unbeaten. It wasn't winless um, or undefeated, I should say. So taking the sample size of going back 21, 22 games left, like the last quarter of last season, they went 18-2-1. and one down the stretch. They dominated the playoffs. They dominated the King, the Knights in that series until 90 seconds of hockey where they gave up three goals, shit the bed in that game, and the rest of the series went down the sewer. Many people said that was the Stanley Cup final. Many people said that was the two best teams. We've lost to the Stanley Cup champion two straight years in a row, and everything that could have went wrong to start this season went wrong. McDavid was injured. Ekholm was injured. McLeod was injured. CeCe was injured. Nurse was still banged up. Um, the PDO was off the charts low. It was like really just no puck luck. Everything. Campbell was shit in the bed again and awful. And every everything that went wrong did. We went two and nine to start. And ever since then, it's been an absolute wagon. Honest to God, man, you take those all right. Fuck, I'm tired. First of eleven coming. games Jeez. of the season out, Christ. and it's probably like 50, 60 and ten. That's dominant. All right, now I'm going to speak my truth right now and say that I fucking hate it. Every single one of you fucking Oiler fans are just insufferable. I am absolutely miserable. It's disgusting. It's the worst thing that's ever happened in the history of the world. May I pile on? Go ahead. <laughs> I love that the Oilers destroyed your franchise. What? We beat you in the playoffs with little Johnny Goudreau and Chucky Chucky Cheese and Markstrom and all these guys that you had this dominant season and the best line in the NHL and three guys that were over plus 40 on the top line. You'd roll through Dallas and Ottinger. Like roll for like Dallas you were gonna seven games. Well, but that's a Jesus. team that you shouldn't even have beaten. A goalie, I'm not even sure you guys should have beat. And he played out of his mind, and you got by him to run in to the Edmonton Oilers, who you did spank in the first game, I believe, like nine to four or something, or eight to four. And then there was a moment where Matthew Kachuk gave his little uh thumb and fingers money sign to Evander Kane telling him, Hey, you lost all your gambling money. 
And I still to this day don't know what was said. But whatever Kane said to Kachuk in that moment, Kachuk disappeared for the rest of the series. Never did another thing. We absolutely waxed, absolutely waxed you in every single game to the point where Goudreau said, I don't even want to play for this team anymore. If that's the team we got to play in the playoffs every year, I'd rather All go right, play in Columbus. Another edition of the Pocket Pound Show. <laughs> okay, I don't know if I would say you destroyed the franchise. Yeah, I mean, Kachuk went crying and left and went to Florida. Like he the whole teams, they said, those... no, we, we don't want to play the Oilers anymore. We're out. All those guys, I think we're all going to leave anyway. And now and you're rebuilding. That. Um, I'm not going to claim to be, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm not a hockey expert. I just, I like the flames. I watch the flames. I don't really watch anything else other than like sports center. So I don't, I'm not going to claim to know anything about anything. I think those guys were going to leave anyway. I think that, I mean, Huberto has obviously been a bust. Kadri is okay. Markstrom's having a bounce back season, but it's just not enough. And, uh, the blasty Jersey is the nicest Jersey in the NHL. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> So we while we're losing, it's a cool jersey good. with an awful nickname. While we're while we're losing, we're looking good. Every time I hear a Calgary Flames fan talk about Blasty, I think they're a twelve-year-old. That's his name. What do you want me to say? I don't. Know. I think our Heritage Classic uniforms were much nicer as well. We don't go calling our uniforms Oilies. <laughs> I I like the the Oilers Heritage Classic. I just didn't like the brown. Like I understand the brown is like a throwback kind of thing. But if, yeah. if that if those would have been orange or something else, I think they would have been a little bit nicer. All I can talk about is fashion because my team is terrible. Yeah, well, that's fair. And, and I, I agreed with you on that. I didn't love those brown either. And speaking of fashion and terrible in the same sentence, your fashion is terrible, especially your stinky Calgary Flame sock and the one that you yeah, tried to stick on our Edmonton Oiler ice. Yeah, that's... but fucking we've only won one game since i did that i think the curse went backwards yeah we haven't lost since so thank i think you for the, that. yeah you know what actually now that you mentioned it you haven't lost since i think the oilers <laughs> ice uno reversed me <laughs> good but i've been a calgary flames fan my entire life i will continue to be a calgary flames fan and i literally you know wear it on my body and you know it is what it is uh just one more a couple more things i want to talk about hockey wise before i let you go just because you're smart uh expansion are we gonna see them go back to fucking atlanta again yeah i think we might see a couple more teams and what i don't know if it's the one i think atlanta salt lake kansas city maybe oh really okay i don't know is it too much though what are we at now 30 32 are we at 32 like is that the most teams in any sport like how many teams does major league baseball have 32 like are we stretching it a little thin or or is 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 the league healthy i think it's okay um obviously the league's healthy i mean you look at what franchises are selling for i mean like the ottawa senators are a bloody disaster and it was almost a billion dollars um i I think i think if you can if it can make the league more money they're gonna do it whether it makes sense or not i don't know i mean it can reduce some travel schedules it can right like you're going to the more cities there are the the less plane less time you spend on a plane and i think all of that's important too because a lot of the guys in the east's travel is so much easier so i don't know you know what? Wait till they expand to Europe. Oh Jesus! What about uh, a Phoenix in this like little tiny arena? Like, why? Like, why were all these other teams like did they were allowed to die, but Phoenix is allowed to live? 
because it's Gary Bettman's, it Bettman's pet. pet. And why is that though? Like, is it just like he doesn't want that on his resume that that died? Yeah, I think it's honestly pride. To be honest, yeah, I mean, it's it's like the third or fourth or fifth biggest metropolis in the United States. So, like, when you're looking at it as a market, like, it should make sense. So, the fact that for decades they haven't been able to make it make sense. You know, they, I don't know the cities that well, but they don't play in Phoenix, right? The rink was in Glendale, oh, Glendale or wherever the hell yeah. it was. And right. So if you live in Phoenix, you're going to like, look, I, I drive in Sherwood Park and it's a, it's an effort to get to Roger's place, you know, like a 40, 45 minute drive in traffic. You got to yeah, park. Fair. It's That's an hour fair. each way. I mean, Jeepers to do that. You're looking at a two hour, three hour drive just to get to the game. Are you going to do that 41 times a year? To watch the coyotes to watch the coyotes <laughs> so i don't know you know this this mullet arena is supposed to be a band-aid until they can get a a better venue that's closer to the heart of of wherever people are in arizona but well what happened to the one they played in before before mullet yeah, before this college one, where were they that, playing? That was what was in Glendale. And oh, so, was, so that's the one that's too far from everything. Yeah, okay, it's cool. too too far for everybody to drive, and it wasn't very. It was kind of out in the middle of the desert a little bit, like it was just a suburb that you would only go there for the game. Fair enough. Yeah. All right. So, uh, Dash, thanks for hanging out with me, man. I learned I learned a lot about you and a lot of our our, our trajectory very similar, which I find very interesting. So, thank you for hanging out with me, man. Any time, like I said, I was setting this up for uh, multiple visits down the road. So I'll just be uh, sitting by my phone waiting for the invite. All righty. We are going to go out to a brand new song from a band called Teen Mortgage. I don't know what song I'm going to pick yet, so I can't tell you the name of it. But this is a new album that came out recently that caught my eye. And I think it's really good. It's giving me kind of like a death from above uh, uh, kind of a vibe and I dig it so this is a uh, track from Teen Mortgage I don't know what's going on next week but I'm sure I will cook up something thank you everybody for joining us and we will talk to you guys all next week Thank <laughs> you.